And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 183 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. And Andy, 183 hits allowed in 2012 by both Madison Baumgartner and Tim Lincecum. So that's a little, well, I don't know, I like that little connection. Hmm. Same number of hits allowed. Interesting. Um, and I, I wonder, I'm guessing, boy, who do you think had more strikeouts? Because early career Timmy, it'd be obviously Timmy, but I'll bet you Bum had more strikeouts that year. He had exactly one more strikeout. He had <gasps> 191 strikeouts in 208 innings, and uh, Litzkam had 190 strikeouts in 186 innings. So that was the year that Litzkam uh, struggled. He had a 5.18 ERA. He was moved to the bullpen, and that became his story of the 2012 season. What people forget, and I, I, I love reminding people of this, is just how cooked Bumgarner was after, I, I think it was late August, early September. He was cooked. He was tired. He was gassed to the point where the Giants felt like they could not pitch him in the NLCS on regular rest. They had to go with Barry Zito, which was bananas to think about. And it worked out and that makes it funnier. Yeah, exactly. And and, and we all remember that uh, Justin Verlander gave up the two of the homers, uh, three that Pablo Sandoval hit in game one of the World Series. And Barry Zito was the winning pitcher. And it almost worked out perfectly because they moved back Bumgarner and he ended up being their game two starter. So the Giants had two lefties to go in games one and two. And that Tigers team was very susceptible to left-handed pitching. If you could neutralize Prince Fielder, uh, and then you're, you're at that point, you're just pitching around Miguel Cabrera, who won the triple crown. Um, <laughs> the, the Giants were able to... To, to deal with the otherwise a, a fairly fearsome Tigers team. And uh, um, yeah, it pr- probably it all wor- it all worked out. It all worked out to their benefit. I don't want to belabor the point, but I think of all the three championships, there is uh, a lot of utility in ranking them by goofiness. And there are some days when I think that the 2012 championship team was the goofiest because you had Posey coming back from, is he ever going to play the same way again? Oh, right. He's the MVP. Uh, you have Lincecum, like he's not a Cy Young anymore. He's a reliever. Oh, great. He's an, he's a shutdown reliever in the postseason. You had Barry Zito. I, of all the championships, that one to me is up there uh, with the goofiest ones. And and they had the guy who was leading the major leagues in runs scored and hits uh, in, <laughs> in, in mid-August. And, oh, uh, he was taking steroids, so you can't have him anymore. <laughs> and he's going to just completely walk out without saying a word to anybody. Um, and then they ended up getting better from that point forward. And I think that was honestly, overall, I think that was the strongest of 
the three World Series teams because 2014, that pitching staff, I did not think was good enough to get past one round of the postseason. And Madison Bumgarner was just like, oh, yeah, hold my beer. No, literally, hold my beer. I'm going to drink it later along with eight others. Um, and, and and yeah, I, I thought the 2012 team in terms of the offense, in terms of the, the stability of the rotation, bullpen, I thought it was overall pretty easily the best of the three World Series teams. I think you might be right, especially when you adjust the, the offense for the league averages that year. But we're not here to talk about the 2012 Giants, although it does help us delay us talking about the weekend series versus the Nationals. But I suppose that is where we should start. The Giants played the Nationals uh, this weekend. They got shellacked in two of the games. They gave a shellacking of their own in one of them. Uh, but it was uh, a discouraging s- series because it's at home against a team that had lost, I think, eight straight. And they did not look good. The pitching did not look good. You know, I I say it every time. It's it's not always who you play, but when you happen to play them. And the Nationals, uh, you know, got the, got the Giants when they were absolutely rolling at the end of their last road trip in Washington. And now a week later, it's a it's playing a completely different team. Uh, you know, we knew that they'd lost two fifths of their starting rotation on that road trip. And and then uh, the waves of COVID hit them, took out Brandon Belt, took out Mike Yastrzemski, took out basically anybody who swings the bat left-handed. Jock Peterson tweaks a groin. Lamont Wade Jr. is on his way back, but is not back yet. And so you end up with people like Jason Krasan, which great for him to get his first major league hit, but uh, probably not exactly plan A for the Giants to have a lot of the guys out there that they had. And the Nationals, to their credit, I mean, they got a ton of base runners, a ton of hits. Um, you know, they, they made the most of it. And uh, and Victor Robles even got to have a nice nice big bunt single uh, when when uh, when when he probably otherwise would not have tried for it. So good for the Nationals for taking advantage of a team that was you know down and prone. And 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 now um, you know the Giants are certainly hoping to get a few pieces back before they go to face a much stiffer challenge uh, down in Los Angeles. Yeah, the Giants gave up. 45 hits in three games, which is not ideal. They were banged up, banged up by injuries, also banged up by the old COVID bug. And there's only so much a team can take. And I know that the Giants are an older team, an older lineup. They should be cognizant of of their age and may, you know, have a lot of depth behind these players because there's always going to be some sort of tweak or twang that has them put guys in who, who they might not have wanted to put in there at the time. But when you're rolling out a lineup that's Luis Gonzalez, Mike Ford, Jason Vossler, Jason Krasan, even Tyra Estrada to some extent, like this is not their optimal lineup that they thought they were going into the season with. They just sort of have to take it and grin it and bear it. And I don't know, they're still doing well by most metrics. So I don't want to read too much into it, but man, are they banged up. Yeah, it's it's just is wacky. Runs per game, 4.95. That leads the major leagues. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you, you look at all of the, you're hitting 237, right? I mean, uh, okay, the league average is 233, right? It's all in context. But, you know, they, they as a team, they have under a 700 OPS. Darren Ruff is is not getting rewarded for hard contact. Brandon Belt is out. They've been missing a lot of uh, pieces. There really aren't a lot of people that you would point to and say, oh, yeah, that person's hot or that person's really caring them. They don't have a, a Seiya Suzuki or, or one of these guys that's gotten out of the gate super hot. And yet, as a team, they're still averaging close to five runs a game that leads the major leagues. I mean, it's it's uh, 
I, I and I know they've run up the score a couple times, but uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of a um, a hard to fathom. It's it's a weird juxtaposition. This is exactly what I'm writing about right now. Uh, I I like compile a list of all the things that the statistics that are going in the Giants' favor with runs per game. Like you said, it's first in baseball. Uh, runs allowed per game, it's fifth in the National League at three point four. Pythagorean record. They have the third best Pythagorean record in the National League. Hard hit balls per swing. Second in the National League, barrels allowed per plate appearance. So they're pitch on the pitching side, first in the National League. So they're allowing weak contact. They're getting hard contact. They're scoring runs. They're preventing runs against everyone but the Nationals. And it's hard not to think like this team could be so much worse. And also it, they could be so much better. Like when you pop the hood, they are doing what they've been doing for the last calendar year or so. They're, they're doing what they're setting out there and intending to do. Yeah. And if, if you look at wins above average and it's a super small sample and this doesn't always you know factor in everything perfectly, but they lead the majors um, in all pitching and wins above average with 2.6. But on the position side, uh, they, they really are, are pretty much not standing out anywhere. Um, they're mm-hmm. middle of the pack. I think the highest they rank at any position uh, is is catcher in first base, where they're they're twelfth in the major leagues uh, among thirty teams, uh, not wow. counting pinch hitters. So yeah, they they really are not getting standout production from any one spot uh, on the field. But you know, the other thing is, it's it's hard for me to even think have, have they gotten off to a good start defensively? Are they playing clean games? Are they giving away outs? And I think maybe I've got a little recency bias because I, I tell you what, Grant, I every day, every day I come to the ballpark, I hope I make one wish. I said, please give me first and second, no outs, a slow runner at the plate and give me a ground ball that feeds the third baseman right to third base. Cause it's been way too long since I've seen a triple play in person, not even like an Oscar Madison triple play where I'm on the phone with Felix asking about the tuna noodle casserole they're going to have for dinner. But, but seeing it live, seeing a live triple play, it's been way too long. And we got the perfect confluence of events, perfect confluence of events with Alex Cobb on the mound, three batters in the game. And it's Nelson Cruz, who does not run well. And he hits a little chopper to Jason Vosler, feeds him right to the bag. And I wonder if his eyes got super big thinking about how quick he needed to be to get that turn to second base because it trickled under his glove and into left field and disaster Disaster, disaster. So, yeah, I, I, but that aside, I feel like they've kind of caught the ball kind of okay too. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's just one of those weird things where, yeah, they're, they're, they have a good record. They've started off the year, I think, well. And yet there's probably, you know, they're limping into this series in LA a little bit. Yeah, they are perfectly zero out above average, which by definition means they've been an average defensive team in this small sample. Um, I have never seen a triple play. I have never seen a no-hitter live. I have never seen a perfect game, of course, live. I have never seen a triple play live. I've been, you know, I haven't been to as many baseball games as you, I'm, I'm pretty sure, but I've been to a lot of baseball games in my life. I want to see one of those things. I just, I just want, it seems like a lot of happy, fun time moments. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I was not there. I, I've had really good luck with not having um, assigned sort of scheduled days off for when big things happen. Um, I didn't miss any of the no hitters. I didn't miss Kane's perfect game. You know, I wasn't like, you know, taking the day off and, you know, uh, um, cruising around somewhere. So I, 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 but the one thing I did miss um, was Kiichi Yabu's um, 
triple play where he comes in and he gets three outs on one pitch. I was not there for that one. So I've always thought I'm not going to miss the next Giants triple play. And you know what? I had Sunday off, so I was not at the ballpark. So if they had turned it, I would have missed Sunday's triple play. But So maybe maybe they'll turn one in, in L.A. I might have said this story on the podcast. I don't know. We're like an old married couple. We don't know what stories we tell each other. Um, but it, I was supposed to go to the Matt Cain perfect game. And it was because uh, Pro V1 or Titleist or something, they were putting on that that before the, the game, they had a demonstration where they're hitting uh, golf balls into the cove. And I was supposed to go and, I don't know, cover and, and just, I don't know what I was supposed to do, but they invited me. And I wasn't able to go because of family reasons. And I am just thinking that if I were there, I would have had bad breath and Matt Cain would have noticed and it would have thrown him off his game. There would have been something <laughs> I did that screwed up the perfect game entirely. Well, so I, do you recall that Matt Cain, because he's a huge golf fan, um, he got permission from Brian Sabian to hit a ball into um, McCovey Cove. Uh, you know, from where they had the little mat teed up at home plate. And yeah. and he really wanted to do it, but it was his data pitch. And you're just not supposed to do stuff like that in your data pitch because <laughs> probably mostly baseball superstition, but he didn't want to, you know, come across as not, you know, not taking seriously his preparation for that night's start. So he asked Brian Sabian and, and Sabian said, you can do it, but just make sure I don't see it. I don't want to watch. <laughs> I don't want to see it. And he hit this beautiful drive. It's got a little, little, power fade, you know, kerplunked in the water. And uh, and then then he threw a perfect game. So, you know, I'm surprised that he didn't start like, you know, getting out there at like 3 p.m. before a night game, just, you know, whomping away like he's uh, at the driving range. Uh, that's what I would have done, right? <laughs> if it works, just keep doing it. Uh, he should be out there right now, just, you know, trying to see if he can get back into the majors. But I, so as far as golf goes, I know that you are a golfer, if you had people in the outfield sort of doing their thing and you were told that you needed to hit a golf ball in the air into the cove and not endanger those people at will, could you do it? Like, are you good enough to get the ball up and out reliably, even if it's not entirely where you want it? Can I, I can I tee it up? Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and I'm using what? A driver? Yeah. 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 Just a straight drive into the cove. Do you think you could do that so you're not putting people's lives at risk? I would be absolutely 100% confident that I could do it. Uh, okay. And and I absolutely am confident that I probably would be just as likely to cold top it and, and hit an 80, 80, <laughs> 80, ground, 80 bounce ground ball that would have uh, landed somewhere in shallow right field. And then I would have been very embarrassed. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. Now, the listeners don't realize the magic of technology, but I actually just paused it here uh, because my 
dog has a button. My puppy has a button. And when she pushes it, it says uh, whatever you record for the button. And so we had a sleepover here for my daughter's birthday. And one of the girls, unbeknownst to me, uh, recorded on this button, hey, let me out. I have to pee. I have to pee. And so while we were doing this podcast, my puppy went up and pushed the button. And this voice I didn't recognize said, hey, let me out. Let me out. I have to pee. I have to pee. It, it absolutely melted my brain for a second. So uh, my, my concentration is enviable, I think. Well, um, I guess I'm just going to have to carry the rest of this podcast then, <laughs> unless I really have to pee, in which case I'm going to be distracted as well. I don't even have a button to push, so um, I'm out of luck. I'm just going to have to get there on my own two legs. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, there's another team that is doing well as far as the record, and uh, they also have some things that are not going their way. And I'm talking about the Dodgers, those pesky Dodgers who uh, are, of course, in first place. They're at the top of the power rankings. But it's not. Listen, this is supposed to be the lineup of doom. This is supposed to be the big red machine, the big blue machine. But Trey Turner's not doing so hot. Justin Turner's doing miserably. Max Muncie had a, a strong enough Sunday, I think, but he's hitting 136. Uh, Mookie Betts is just a guy. Cody Bellinger is just a guy. This is not a Dodgers team that's humming necessarily in all cylinders, at least on the offensive side. No, but this reminds me of when the Giants will go to play the Rockies and you look up and Nolan Arenado is it's mid-May <laughs> and he's hitting like 220 with two home runs. He will at some point be awakened in the series. It's, this was just a matter of if not when. So um, I, I kind of feel that way about Max Muncie. I mean, the Giants really pitched him a lot better in the second half, but I think he had, what, eight home runs in his first 10 games against him last year. So hmm. I just assume that Max Muncie is going to be a difficult matchup. Um, you know, I, what's going to be fun for me is to see what Carlos Rodon does when he matches up against this Dodger team because, you know, this is a team that can hit the fastball and Carlos Rodon has a fastball that people do not hit. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how how those two match up. Now, the Dodgers, they have had six pitchers make a start for them this year. Do you want to guess at the highest ERA of any of these pitchers? The highest ERA. I'll say, um, gosh, I'll go with uh, Tyler Anderson and uh, I will say his ERA is 3.15. It is Tyler Anderson. His ERA is a, a, a ghastly 2.55. So that is the worst starting pitcher. I mean, the Dodgers, you have uh, Andrew Haney is obviously out uh, with an elbow injury, but he had a 0.0 ERA. Tony Gonsolin's been pitching brilliantly. Julio Arias shook off a rough opening day start uh, or rough first start. To, he's bounced back. Clayton Kershaw is on another planet. Walker Bueller isn't missing a ton of bats, but he's still preventing runs. It's just a fearsome rotation. And I think for all the talk about the big blue machine, they this was going to be how they dominated was the pitching combined with the hitting. It wasn't just about that lineup being so deep one through nine. Their pitching was going to have to carry a lot of that load. And they, they are so far. And they just got a big, big refund for um, the Trevor Bauer expenditure, obviously, mm -hmm. um, now that he's suspended for two years. Uh, without pay, uh, that saves the Dodgers, what, like $40 million, $50 million, wow. $60 million? Wow. What is it? Um, wow. So, uh, yeah, not that you feel bad for the Dodgers. They kind of deserve what they got there. Um, I mean, their own columnist, like Bill here is basically saying, look, the Dodgers got super lucky here. This was a bad idea from the moment that they signed this deal, and everyone kind of knew it. And uh, so now they're a little bit off the hook. So even even the people who aren't pitching for them, they, they've gotten some fortunate news. Now, 
I can't remember if it was 2019, 2020, or even last year. I wrote a column about, uh, boy, is itch sad to see Clayton Kershaw not be the best version of himself. It was after a game when the Giants hit him around, which just absolutely never happened for a decade. And so it was sort of a lament of like, oh boy, it was just when he was at his his best, it was a really fun opponent to have come into Oracle Park or to see at Dodger Stadium. Oh, those days are gone. He's better than ever. And I don't know what happened. I don't know what changed, but he's freaky good right now. He has 30 strikeouts in uh, 23 innings with just two walks like that. Those are just superlative numbers. And he just set the Dodgers all time strikeout record. Uh, And you you could make an argument that he has surpassed Sandy Koufax as the greatest pitcher in franchise history, I think uh, I think you probably can make a pretty solid argument there, and and that's that's a tough mantle to um, you know to achieve when you've got you know Don Sutton and his longevity, and you've got uh, Don Drysdale and his sort of you know the way he was feared uh, in his time, and then a Koufax, of course. Uh, I can't really think of anybody who was as dominant uh, as him over like you know a five year slice, other than maybe Pedro Martinez uh, or or a portion of of Randy Johnson. So. Yeah, I mean Clayton Kershaw is—he's um, an icon. He's—he's um, he's someone that the Giants have faced a million billion times, and uh, uh, it was always fun to watch him face Buster Posey because he felt like they were going to sort of draw. Like Buster would would get on base, he'd go one for four. Uh, you know, maybe he'd drive in a run, but you know, he'd also uh, Kershaw would get the best of him too. So, uh, kind of too bad that we won't get to see those two square off again. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, Brandon Belt is, is, uh, is out of the lineup right now and may- maybe he'll get a couple of knocks off Kershaw at some point this year. Uh, maybe the baseball gods will say, you know what, we, we got to even this out a little bit. Do you want my super hot take? Do you want a, a spicy a take as, as I can muster? Sure. I don't think it's really comparable, uh, for who the best pitcher in Dodgers history is. I think it's Kershaw, uh, by a whole bunch. Uh, if you take... Kershaw's 2011 to 2016 and compare it to Koufax, you know, his prime years when he started in 62 going through 66, uh, the ERA for Kershaw 2.06, the ERA for Koufax 1.95. Of course, you have to adjust for error. So Kershaw looks better in that respect. And then you add in the six years after that, where he's just still really, really good. He's pitching at a Cy Young caliber level in 2017. I think that he is just the best pitcher in Dodgers history, which of course puts him on the short list for one of the greatest pitchers of all time. And I'm wondering when people are going to talk about him in the same way that they do Pedro, Randy, uh, uh, Maddox, or if they already do, and I'm just too close to it and I don't see it. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's I think sometimes it's when there isn't a West Coast bias. When there is a West Coast bias by the East Coast media, I think we all kind of pick up on it. Um, but maybe when that bias doesn't exist and people do recognize how good Clayton Kershaw is, we're kind of looking for it, but it's not really there because they, there is that kind of recognition all the way around. Um, but the, I mean, the thing is, even when Kershaw's left the scene, um, you know, Walker Bueller is a guy who can be a, a, an ace of anybody's rotation. Uh, Julio Urias is a guy who you do not want to face in any series. And I mean, they just, they keep throwing people at you. And, you know, I'm sure they're maybe Dustin May, when he finishes up his Tommy John, will come back and, and he'll be, you know, he'll do for the Dodgers what Logan Webb's done for the Giants. Um, you know, they always seem to, to have somebody, you know, bubbling up through their system who's the next uh, kind of ace or ace adjacent pitcher. Um, it's just, I mean, the Dodgers are just a factory. They always have interesting people coming up. And 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 
they, they don't have the sort of frenetic uh, roster management that the Giants do uh, where, oh, we have a 40-man space for five hot minutes. Okay, let's 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 gain this guy. Let's make a cash deal for this guy. Uh, let's see what we can do. Um, but, you know, it's it just seems like they always have um, – a lot of depth and and a lot of a lot of pitching and I mean that's you, you can see it just from you know, it's starting that way this year too. The Dodgers and Giants have the best pitching in the National League along with the Mets and those are the three best teams in the National League. So um, yeah, this will be it's a short series. It's it's a, the the Giants obviously have a day off heading into it, so they can kind of throw everything at the Dodgers and and you know the teams have to pare down their rosters from 28 to 26 as well. We know that Junior Marte and Jason Cruzan have already been optioned and, and we'll see who else they they trim out if, if uh, we do see Mikey Stremski and Lamont Wade Jr. Uh, maybe they'll wait a day since Urias is starting on Tuesday with a lefty. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's I, I think, uh, you know, we saw the whole season come down to one check swing call between these two teams after all the slugging out that they did with each other. So, you know, it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be fun to see just how they lock horns up again. And we are talking about this because the series is starting where the Giants are heading into Dodger Stadium for a two-game set. But it's almost burying the lead a little bit because the Giants, as of right now, are a third-place team. And the Padres are in second place because they're off to a heck of a start. Is this finally the year that we're, that should have happened last year? Are the Padres going to be, and I guess the Rockies, we should mention them. They're off to a heck of a start. I don't necessarily buy into that, but this feels like the year that we should have had last year, just a real three headed uh, hydra of a race. And you know what? I mean, I got to say, I, I'm a little bit impressed with the Diamondbacks too. They're 10 and 13 as of this recording and their pitching has been pretty good. They've been sneaky, sneaky good from a pitching standpoint. So, um, I mean, if you don't have uh, that team that's losing 100 plus games uh, in the division to kind of raise uh, the win totals up for for the the top of the division, it, it's going to be even more of a of a, a slug slug fest. I think you've got three teams, uh, four teams right now have won 13 games, uh, and yeah, it's I, I don't know if the Rockies can sustain this. I kind of doubt they can as well. Um, it seems like the Rockies always get uh, a little bit banged up as as you get later into the season. Uh, Chris Bryant's already uh, landed on the injured list or has a back injury. So, um, but yeah, if, if you don't have the Diamondbacks to be a super easy punching bag like they were last year, then I mean, boy, it's all those head-to-head games between the Dodgers, Giants, and Padres are going to be even more meaningful because you can't necessarily make them up by you know um, just sort of wailing away on on the other two teams in the division. So it, it's it's setting up to be pretty darn interesting. That's an excellent point because. Last year, one of the, the the tenets that I held throughout the whole year and was proven wrong was the Diamondbacks just can't be this bad. It takes a special kind of bad to lose 110 games. I didn't think that Diamondbacks roster was that bad. And boy, did they prove me wrong because they were that bad the, the whole year. But even coming into this year, it just it did not seem like a 110 loss roster. It didn't seem like a 100 loss roster. It seemed like maybe an 85 or 90 loss roster. And that is very different when you're talking about a punching bag that you go in and you just mark off the wins. An 85, 90 loss team. That's a different kind of punching bag where you they might take a swipe at you every so often. And it's just not going to be that easy. Yeah, especially if you have a couple pitchers that are, are pretty good. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and like a, a Zach Gallen has been up and down uh, in recent years dealing with some health stuff, but uh, he's off to a good start. Um, so, yeah, you know, the Diamondbacks are, are not going to be, I think, a pushover. And they even they are a team, you know, we're talking about the Giants and things haven't really worked out for them. The Diamondbacks just signed Kettle Marte to a, a big extension and he's hitting like a buck 40 for him right now. So, um, um, 
So yeah, they, they clearly have uh, a, a lot that hasn't really broken right for them as well. And yet, you know, they've been pretty decent. You know exactly what Kettle Marte's done. I'm going to guess because he's on your fantasy team. Uh, he is, but I have Tyro Estrada now starting <laughs> ahead of him. I made that switch. I, I was I did not wait. I did not wait around for that. Tyro went in there and Tyro is performing. Yeah, I have Kettle Marte too. It's so funny. I just know like when some, when you know someone's statistics, it's like I'm the same way where I'm just thinking like, yeah, I know what this guy's doing because he's not freaking hitting. Um, but I will say in other fantasy news, I just picked up Darren Ruff, who was dropped because I still believe let's have another just moment of rough chatter. Do we still believe after the weekend he had, I guess he had a, a one game that, you know, had a few hits strung together. He's still taking walks. He's still going to be good, right? No, you picked him up for the stolen bases, I assume, right? Of course. <laughs> he stole his second base on Sunday. He's got two steals. They were putting him on the move in spring training. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, Gabe, uh, what, what are you, are you, is Darren Ruff going to be stealing bases during the regular season? They, they want everybody trying to steal bases. It's kind of crazy. Um, and Hey, if you can if you can do it without running into outs, you might as well. But uh, yeah, um, you know, Darren Ruff is 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 hitting third for the most part. I know they dropped him to fifth a little bit, but he's having good at bats. He's hitting so many hard outs. His approach has been good. He's drawing walks. He's not chasing. Um, you know, there there all there's every reason to believe that uh, it's going to turn around for him. And he's in a lineup scoring the most runs in the major leagues, and he's usually batting third in that lineup. So that's kind of where you want your players to be from. A fantasy standpoint and yeah i i think i think darren ruff is is somebody who will contribute uh, both to an actual team and a, a team made up of fake numbers i think that there is something to the sneak attack steal where you have uh so for example yadier molina is 10 for his last 10 on stolen bases he has a stolen base this year he had three last year he had six in 2019 nobody's holding him on, nobody's paying attention, and he takes advantage of that because even though he's Yadier Molina and he's not fast, if you are just absolutely not be paying attention, be if you're if nobody's paying attention to you, you can still get a good enough jump if you are a professional baseball player to beat the throw down to second, and there's utility to that. So whether it's Darren Ruff, whether it's Joey Bart, uh, maybe even Brandon Belt, I mean, he's you know, he's he can get froggy on the bases sometimes. So I think that there is something to that because it's it's kind of a hyper percentage play at some point. You know, yeah, it's, it's a math equation. And, and I think, um, you know, you know, and I wrote about it last year, how, you know, teams are, are attempting to steal um, with the, the least frequency basically ever. Um, but they, they also have the highest um, success rate uh, because teams can basically, you know, whittle it down to a math problem. And as long as you then concentrate on shaving off a little bit of time and you get your jumps and you recognize uh, the pitcher's moves and and, um, you don't get picked off, um, then yeah, you can basically kind of have some certainty that you're going to make it in there. And Austin Slater, I think, is the best on the Giants at it. He, he's he's just a really really good savvy base dealer. Um, but there are other people too. I mean, Stephen Duggar before he got hurt, he swiped four bases, and I think he was on his way to swiping a lot more. And this is a guy who was really not a very good and efficient base runner in the minor leagues, but has all the physical tools to do so. So, you know, uh, a real bummer for him that he's out two months with that oblique injury. But um, you know, they definitely had him running aggressively so and and i think tyro estrada is going to end up with a lot of steals not just because he's you know on my fantasy team and all that but it'd be nice it'd be nice uh you know the giants are actually third in the national league in stolen bases they're 14 for 18 number two of course it's the dodgers it's uh they are 16 of 19 and that's one thing that i'm noticing there's a lot of high percentage stealing teams in baseball now and i don't know if that's an indictment of catchers or just the 
focus of the pitchers getting the ball to the plate, not necessarily worrying about that because even though there's more successful stolen bases these days, still not a lot of teams running wild. So maybe it's best that teams ignore that. But when it comes to their peers, the Giants are better at stealing than most other teams. And that is something they can lean into. Yeah, the Cardinals are 22 for 24. I mean, that's, that's pretty wow. good. Dodgers 16 for 19. Um you know, the Rays, 16 for 20. And then you got the Angels. The Angels are 16 for 26. So, wah, wah, something is not going right there. They <laughs> they need to put the brakes on a little bit, maybe. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. Or even the A's. You know, the A's have, have, have been very station to station for the most part over the years. And they're 12 out of 13. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's one of those deals where uh, there's only been 115 caught stealings and 314 steals across the major leagues. So, um and you don't have teams, uh, you know, hitting and uh, getting caught stealing on the back end of a busted hit and run because you never see a hit and run anymore. Oh, <laughs> so that's, that's a good point. That's, that's one of those. I, I think Will Clark one year. Uh, oh, well, let me look it up real fast because this is really great. Will Clark had one year where he was just awful in terms of stolen bases. Uh, here we go. Caught stealing. 1987. He's 23 years old. He stole five bases and he was caught 17 times. Wow. Yeah. And he kept saying, well, it's because, you know, uh, Roger Craig kept do, calling the hit and run and, and and we kept striking out and I would get, you know, picked on the back end of it. So, um, you know, yeah, that's so that doesn't really happen anymore. See, I would look at that without that context it, today. I would just look up his page and, and be, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Why are you running like that? And it turns out, oh, yeah, OK, that makes a ton of sense. 17 caught stealings just seems like a dereliction of duty. But it was just a manager being a little a little goofy, which uh, I don't know. That's kind of funny. Yeah. But you can imagine like, what what was he wearing? Was, what were he wearing? Was he wearing shoes that were like two sizes too small or, you know, uh, uh, yeah. What, what was happening there? But yeah, five caught stealing, 17, five out of seven, five caught, uh, 17 caught stealing, five stolen bases. It's just pretty ridiculous. And then the next year, he's nine out of 10. So that's yeah. for you. There you so, go. Uh, He's there a sponsor. All right. This has been episode 183 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. We will be back on Thursday. We'll know what happened in that Dodgers series, so we will get more Giants Dodgers chatter. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you then.